Hello everyone, this is Meng Fei Li from the capital city of China, and welcome to our brand new episode of The Missing Piece. This week marks the beginning of the Chinese New Year in 2021. Either you're traveling in China or perhaps living overseas, I wish you Happy Chinese New Year. 2021 is gonna be so much better for all of us. As a matter of fact, this week, the people in Pakistan received some earlier blessings from the Chinese government. According to the report, earlier this week, Pakistan received half a million doses of China's Sinopharm shots, the first destination of Beijing's gifted vaccine. While Pakistan is set to receive millions of vaccine doses, they're unlikely to swiftly alleviate the challenges of the pandemic in a country with a population of 220 million people. Pakistan is one of the 92 lower-income countries eligible for free vaccines through COVAX, the global initiative and partnership that aims to provide 2 billion vaccine doses to 20% of the most vulnerable in the world's poorest nations. Now here's the question. How does the move from China can really smooth out the relationship between these two countries? And what about the perspective from Pakistan towards China's growth, especially post-pandemic? Well, luckily we have one and only a distinguished guest, and his name is Shrib Gahuj from Pakistan. He's an economist by education. He got his degree from University of Pakistan. He has experience of working with government of Pakistan. During his tenure, he was the active part of planning commission of Pakistan, an institution which was solely responsible for the implementation of CPEC, that's China-Pakistan Economic Quarter Project. Now, currently, he's living in Jinan, Shandong province of China. Brother, welcome to my show. Thank you very much, Mr. Will. That's my pleasure. Well, um, Shrib, I'm very excited about talking to you, but let's get to the question. As I mentioned in the intro, this year, it has not been easy, even though we are only in the second month of 2021, but it seems like the COVID-19, it's not going anywhere, or the COVID-19 has not be completely eradicated at this moment, especially for Pakistan. Now, China sent the earlier blessing to the country. So from your perspective, how does that help with the relationship between these two countries? You know, well, that's very important and uh, that's very critical, uh, especially at this stage, which is very crucial for a country like Pakistan. Because COVID spread, like thankfully, you know, the COVID spread in Pakistan was not that so much harsh as it was like in so much other countries like like Italy, China, even and the US. But still, we have so many fatalities, you know, and we have so many people who were uh, who were actually infected from this virus. So at this critical stage, I think uh, uh, this help from our Chinese brother, you know, it's uh, quite meaningful. And it's quite helpful, and it and it is and it quite you know actually means a lot for us, because uh, you know so many of our uh, frontline workers against uh, this COVID, they were also uh, you know they were also got affected from this uh, disease, and many of them died also. So 
like I must say that at this point of time, it is very useful and it's very productive for us. Yeah. Well, again, um, if we look back the history, people always say China and Pakistan, this relationship did not just start in the year of 2020, and we can trace it all the way back, say, in the early 1970s. And if I'm not mistaken, brother, I know you study economy, and of course that you live in China, and also you travel through different parts of the world. We know that at the beginning, when China was trying to build this relationship with America, Pakistan was actually the country help to really, uh, how can I say, play the significant role as the bridge to bring these two impossibilities together. But now, fast forward, why is that so significant for us to address these two nations today? Is it just because pandemic? What if there's no pandemic? From your perspective, how do you think we should justify the relationship or we should look at this relationship fairly at, uh, at this moment? Well, see, Will, to understand, uh, you know, this situation better, you know, so so I'll answer your question in three parts. There's past, present, and the future. If you see in the past, so Pakistan came into being in 1947, and after two years, this great nation of China, like it's formally came into being as People's Republic of China. Mm. So Pakistan was the first country who officially recognized China as mm. an independent country, as People's Republic of China. And even before 70s, uh, as you rightly mentioned, even before 70s, I would love to mention that our economic cooperation actually started in late 50s, right? And uh, specifically in 70s, you know, there was a like climax of our cooperation on the foreign uh, affairs matters, you know, because Pakistan played a role of a bridge between the U.S. and China, mm. you know? Prime Minister, Prime Minister Zulif Ali Bhutto, actually, he was very active in, you know, accommodating these two great nations of United States of America and People's Republic of China, you know, to bring them on the table. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, at, uh, you know, at this, uh, so this was all past, you know. And then if you come in the, re like, present or the recent past, I must say, you know, so our relationship, you know, it is very strong, whether you take the military front you take the political front you take the most of most importantly the the economic front so whenever pakistan face any challenge you know china is always here and uh, uh, i must mention that whenever there was a catastrophe with uh, with our chinese friend pakistan was always there and most of the people you know they always say you know they always uh, mention you know the cpec the pakistan china cooperation like economic cooperation starts from cpec you know you know it's wrong because pakistan china relationship you know date back you know even before the 70s as i mentioned earlier but uh, you know the most historic moment in between the china and pakistan was you, you know that historical uh, declaration between the prime minister nawaz sharif and uh, premier uh, the President Xi Jinping, you know, they, uh, in the form of China-Pakistan Economic Corridor, you know. So that was the actually the moment when, uh, you know, it was quite, uh, quite you know, amazing to see that, that more than $60 billion worth of projects, different projects, you know, under the one big umbrella called the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor, you know, it was signed and uh, primarily it is the energy-driven economic corridor, you know, because, you know, the Pakistan is a country which was 
which is facing immense uh, energy demand due to the high growth uh, in the population rates, you know. So, yeah, Pakistan has the energy shortages. So, keeping this in view, that CPAC project, you know, it it has primarily the one of the biggest factor, you know, that is the energy cooperation between China and Pakistan. So, 22 uh, different uh, projects have been signed, which are specifically related with the energy, you know, and uh, many power plants, be it solar, wind, you know, hydro, they have already been established and they have started the generation of electricity thanks to the uh, thanks to the Chinese corporation you know and there is the infrastructure development there is a great grand development of the Gawadar port which is very important for this region I must say not only Pakistan yeah so this was the present scenario you know and if you come like just today you know as you rightly mentioned about this uh, recent cooperation about this uh, uh, COVID vaccine you know you see, Pakistan is among one of the first nation in the world mm. which, has, which has received the uh, Chinese-developed uh, vaccine. And I think it is very, very important. And actually, it actually solidifies. And it is actually the testament of our deep, you know, friendship. And I must say, just for your uh, listeners' memory, that Pakistani president was the first head of state who visited China after the covid you, you know, when when there was a COVID in China, you know, and it was not completely gone, like Wuhan was suffering, but Pakistani president was in right in the Beijing, you know, just wow. to show the solid, just to show the solidarity with the with our uh, Chinese friends that in this uh, difficult time uh, we are with you, you know, yeah. So and also, you know, uh, during the COVID times when the Pakistan because you know. Uh, uh, more than 25,000 Pakistani students are currently studying in China. Wow. So during the COVID, you know, there were many students who were like, they were they were stuck in China. They couldn't go back. Their degrees were completed, you know. So they were, their, their visas were expired, but the Chinese government, you know, did a lot of good work. They cooperated a lot with the students, you know, and they facilitated them at every stage, you know. And up to this date, that while we are speaking, like on this date, mm. you know, up to this date, you know, uh, there are so many international students, including Pakistanis, who have been stuck in their home countries, including Pakistan, but still the Chinese authorities are in good contact with them, you know. So, yeah. Mm. So this was the present. This was the present. And then let's talk about future. Mm. You know, our future, future of these both nations, like, uh, like the prosperity, you know, this is quite, quite... Uh, I must say amazing because I say that, you know, every year thousands of Pakistani students, they complete their studies and either they work in China or they work back in Pakistan. There are thousands of Pakistanis who are learning uh, Chinese quite actively. So this cross-cultural cooperation, I think, this, this, uh, which, which I say 3C cooperation between, this, uh, uh, between these two countries, which is P2P, like people-to-people -people contact, I think this is very crucial for the common growth and progress of uh, these these uh, two nations. Yeah. Well, brother, I appreciate that you're able to took us all the way back to the journey in the history and also you share at this moment. Now, I do want to be more realistic uh, uh, in, on my show is, let's talk about, before we talk about this current leader, you know, Xi Jinping and also um, the Pakistan uh, um, leader, but here's a question that people ask me or, you know, the question that I wanted to address to you is before Chinese President Xi Jinping, 
previously, uh, 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 I guess pre-2012, people did get a chance hear a lot about China and Pakistan. But as soon as um, Chinese pre uh, President Xi Jinping um, uh, uh, became the president in the year of 2012, the relationship or the, uh, um, the, this international uh, recognition immediately showed up and of course, was widely recognized across the world, not only uh, uh, in the uh, Western um, atmosphere, but also in Southeast Asia, etc. So my question to you is, how come we did not hear a lot before President uh, Xi Jinping uh, took over? What was the relationship was like pre this uh, uh, um, 2012? Because people are saying, we didn't know that Pakistan was the uh, is supposed to be the brother for China, and we didn't know that Chinese actually a uh, government was supporting or helping or actually having this a uh, uh, um, what we call reciprocal relationship with the country. Can you dive into a little bit? What was the country or what was the scenario before two thousand twelve? Yeah, perfect. So you know, like there is no doubt about that that. Uh, uh, President Xi Jinping, you know, and and his actually brainchild, uh, this CPEC, or the we can say the Belt and Road Initiative, has given a new meaning to uh, uh, Pakistan-China relationship. There is no doubt about that. But at the same time, we can't deprive the previous rulers of their rightful credit, mm. you know, about this uh, cooperation. Let's talk about like a couple of projects, like one of the great grand projects, which which actually connects Western China with Pakistan by road, that is called KKH, Karakoram Highway, you know. That Karakoram Highway was built by the by our Chinese engineers, you know, they were, and it was built like in the uh, 80s or 90s, you know, in Pakistan, you know, and then we can talk about like this great grand project of the military cooperation, you know. So there's a fighter aircraft of Pakistan, it's called JF-17 Thunder. So that aircraft was actually built in Chengdu, Chengdu, China, you know. Wow. So that technology, yeah. So, so there was a lot of going, always a lot of going between China and Pakistan. But since, since after President Xi Jinping, this whole great grand project, which in Chinese you say, and in English you say, uh, belt and Road Initiative or mm. One Belt, One Road. So since after President Xi Jinping, that One Belt, One Road, so the whole password was created in the world. So only then the people, most of the people who didn't know about Pakistan and the Chinese relationship, and then they started actually talking about it, you know. But Pakistan and Chinese relationship was always there, whether it was uh, the Pakistan-India war, like beat 65, beat 70, 71, then a small scale, uh, the skirmishing, the 99, uh, Kargil, you know, it at every spot and beat, and I, and I must say the 2005 uh, earthquake in Pakistan, you know, Chinese friends cooperate with us a lot. And, uh, and then if I mention about, uh, if you can uh, remind me of that earthquake in China, which was in Sichuan, right? There right. Was a master earthquake. So I forget the year, but the Pakistanis also uh, like uh, supported our Chinese brothers, you know. So yeah, and then if you and then if you talk about this, uh, like some militancy sort of things. So yeah, so our Chinese friends actually spotted some sort of miscreants in our uh, northern, uh, sorry, the frontier belt. So Pakistani security agencies actually rightfully, you know, they worked their problem out. 
Yeah, so I must say that whether it's uh, uh, President Xi or the, I think one of the premier, the previous premier, if I remember his name correctly, his name was Hu Jintao. That's right. You know, yeah, Hu Jintao. Yeah. So, uh, so also in his uh, uh, tenure, also there were the regular, there were the regular two-way visits between uh, China and Pakistan. You know, mm. at all levels, whether they are the prime minister, whether they are the presidents. You know, and, and and the ministers or the cultural corporation, you know, they were already there. Well, let's talk about one thing that you mentioned in the conversation is One Belt, One Road initiative. Now, brother, I want to be honest with you is you were not the first guest that to join my podcast. And I want to discuss the impact of One Belt, One Road initiative. Meanwhile, I had a several guests from other different countries, which just to keep uh, the um, identity um, say for them. Some of the countries, they believe that One Bell, One Road initiative, it sounds good, but if we look inside from this economic perspective, it's like China It's setting up an economic trap for the countries that who are not fully developed, which from my side, I'm sorry that I don't study economy or I'm not the economist as smart as you are. So if from your perspective, can you help me and my listener or viewers to understand why it's the One Belt, One Road initiative and so significant for Pakistan? Is it really beneficial for Chinese President Xi Jinping to have this project available, even though right now, because the pandemic, we, we've seen some slow progress or the progress has to be delayed because the pandemic. But overall, a lot more countries are still having this doubtful attitude is where is China going to take this project? And also, meanwhile, is it really an economic trap or is it really just something that beneficial for the entire region or for the entire uh, uh, countries in Asia and not just for China alone? Yep. Right. So first of all, I'll address this question up here about the, this debt trap uh, thing, right? So, so if you see in the figures, you know, out of the whole debt, out of the whole external debt or the accumulated debt of Pakistan, uh, which we have got uh, from the from the U.S. as a government, we got from the International Monetary Fund or from other uh, like lending institutions, very small, tiny proportion we have got from China. So it is a very fraction of that debt. Mm. You know? So all of those people who are saying that this uh, CPAC or the BRI is a debt trap, specifically if we talk about Pakistan, you know, so it is a, uh, I must say it's, um, it's a historical fallacy. You know, it is not a uh, truth, you know. So it is not that huge money, you know, that, that we say that uh, it is a trap, you know. So... Second thing, you know, talking specifically about the Chinese projects in Pakistan, which I mentioned in the previous question, like most of the projects are the energy sector projects. So they are already on ground. They are they have started operations and they have started contributing to Pakistani economy. Secondly, the projects are the infrastructure development projects, which have already been established and which have already been uh, playing their part in, you know, moving our economy forward. Third thing is the Gawadar port. So, so. Pakistan is now like more than uh, 73 years old. So up to this date, we couldn't manage our, our the prepared our port by ourselves. So this time the Chinese friends are cooperating with us and they're making this port. So 
I must say that it's not a dead trap, rather it is actually the, the testament of that shared prosperity vision of the uh, President Xi. And also it is a win-win situation for both the countries, I think, I must say, you know. So it is not a dead trap. Uh, absolutely, it's not a dead trap. Secondly, you asked me about the uh, delay in the BRI projects, right? Right, right. Yeah. So... So this delay in the BRI project was not about Pakistan and China. It was like, you, you know, globally, all the all economies, all the value chain, mm. when you say GVCs, the global value chain, the supply chain, you know, everything was like uh, at standstill, you know, because the large volume of the global trade, it goes by the sea. So there was not, so there was no movement of like by land or by sea or by air. So yeah, so all the, the global economy was slow. But the good thing about uh, the China-Pakistan cooperation was that since the uh, the China developed its vaccine too early, you know, so and thanks to all the precautionary measures in Pakistan in the form of smart lockdowns and also in China, we the whole world is witnessing that how China actually handled this uh, catastrophe so well. So in this way, you know, both the countries managed to curtail this catastrophe timely. And now we are saying that again, the work on all the CPAC project, you know, it is again uh, in that uh, motion and speed as it was before. Mm, yeah. Okay. Well, one of the things that let's talk about the next topic, I think, again, from this economic perspective, I believe you're able to share a lot more with me. One of the major projects that Chinese President uh, uh, Xi Jinping that took on and also, of course, send the messages boldly to the world is China it's going to actively participate in this climate change and if you read the news <laughs> I'm sure you did is before Joe Biden became the president for America President Trump you know he thought the climate change was a hoax or he couldn't believe that climate change was only was one of the unified way for the world to fight against the um the um the temperature you know uh, based on his understanding, but since the I believe if I'm not mistaken I believe in the year of 2020 uh, either in August or September President Xi Jinping made a public address uh, a nationwide and also he went to um the summit and shared with the world to say China is going to shoulder the responsibilities along with friends and allies in terms of fighting against the climate change. So we support a climate change initiative. So from your perspective, brother, why do you think China is one uh, why do you think China wants to take on this role and how does that going to help economically speaking in terms of under this one belt one road initiative? Don't you think that China is shouldering too much responsibility at this moment? Yeah. So first of all, let's you know uh I must mention that very recently, President Xi talked about the Chinese very ambitious goal of carbon neutrality by 2060. Mm. You know, so this is a very ambitious dream. You must know about it. Right. So to achieve this part, to to achieve this aim, I must say, you know, so there is a responsibility like uh, here in China also, you know, that they support those projects, you know. In the BRI countries, which which have the least amount of involvement of uh, uh, fossil fuels, you know, and carbon, carbon uh, being the uh, one of the 
most uh, like uh, dangerous fossil fuel as far as the CO2 emissions and these greenhouse gases emissions or the climate change is concerned. So in Pakistan, when I was talking about the energy projects, you know, so, so there are projects which are the which are in the form of CFPPs, which are the uh, coal-fired power plants. Yeah. So all the activists who are talking about these climate change concerns, specifically in the Belt and Road countries, and if we specifically more we talk about Pakistan, because the CPEC, CPEC, China-Pakistan Economic Corridor, that's the flagship project under the BRI. So yeah, in that project also, but the people should also uh, take this fact into consideration that there are many renewable energy-based projects which have been sponsored by China also in Pakistan. Like, for example, we have the Qaidazam uh, solar power plant, which is one of the biggest in, in the whole Asia, right? That is the energy project which we have uh, made uh, with the help of Chinese parents. And then we have this uh, 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 solar power uh, pro pro uh, project in the province of Sindh. We have this wind, uh, wind energy turbine-based power project also. Yeah. So, yeah, it is uh, quite... Uh, when the when the people talk about the, these climate change sort of risk, you know, which are related with the Belt and Road project, I mean, it's not so much like false, but it is still there, right? You know, but the people should also take this fact into consideration that at the same time, Chinese are the one of the greatest country who is spending a lot in renewable energies. You know, mm. so when we so when we, when you spend in the renewable energy, for example, solar or wind. So they are the resources which, uh, which, which doesn't affect the climate change projects. So China, talking about China, China, China is the world's biggest producer of energy. It is the world's biggest consumer of energy. So yes, rightfully, the onus or the responsibility of climate change mitigation or, or, or uh, adaptation uh, I think one of the biggest chunk, I think it is on the Chinese shoulder also. And I hope that in coming future, these concerns will be rightfully addressed. Mm. Well, I got two more questions before letting you go, brother. Now, the next question, let's go back. Because when I realize you address the future in terms of the relationship between China and Pakistan, but let's talk about something more important at this moment is, again, I mentioned a little bit that... U.S. just had a brand new president and Joe Biden. So at the beginning, when President Trump was the president, the relationship between these between um, well, I mean, pretty much America with rest of the world, the relationship was in this turmoil or in this chaotic scenario. But right now, Joe Biden just became the president of this. I don't want to say a brand new country, but it seems like he's going to send a new message to the world. So from your perspective, how do you think that America is going to play the role between the countries of China and the countries in the Middle East? Because he is going to pay a lot more attention or he has to pay a lot more attention. Because remember, Pakistan... Uh, 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 what we saw the uh, um, Turkey or also Israel or also Palestine, you know, or Iran, all these countries are so far on the good terms with China. But in terms of America, Joe Biden has a lot more work to do. So from your perspective, if we only talk about from this economic standpoint, how much work do you think Joe Biden has to do in order to regain the trust or regain this uh, a reputation for the country? Yeah, you know, first of all, 
I must say that hope is all we have. And then as our uh, Prime Minister Imran Khan of Pakistan, he recently said that, you know, quote unquote, that uh, there should be no doubt in our mind that Pakistan's economic well-being uh, has now been uh, intertwined with China, which stood by us uh, through thick and thin as no other did. I unquote, you know. So, but at the uh, same time, uh, I must say that if we talk about the, our relationship with uh, U.S., so our national security, like special uh, assistant to the Prime Minister on national security, Mr. Moid Yusuf, he said that, you know, that uh, there is a symbiotic relationship which which we have uh, enjoyed with the U.S., specifically in the context of, of Afghan Jihad, previously with Russia, and then uh, currently, you know, after the 9-11, you know, so U.S. has always been, you know, a very critical strategic partner of Pakistan, specifically mm. in, uh, in the war uh, war against terror context. So, yeah, so every state uh, looks for its own interest. So at this point of time, as we see that specifically after the CPAC, as our prime minister has, I'm sorry, Imran Khan has rightfully said that our economic well-being has been intertwined with China. But, you know, uh, it's very sad that uh, very recently in the history, we have seen President Trump in his, in his era, there were quite a few statements came from the U.S. Department of State, which were not so, uh, you know, positive about. Right. The or, or they were Pakistan. not quite friendly or they right. were not really having to say, I want to I want to um, reach out my hands so we can shake the hands or look towards the future. But that was not the message. Yep, yep, yep. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, exactly. Now, now you have hit the nail in the, the head, Mr. Will, I must say. So, yeah, so now we hope that President Biden, you know, after his arrival, things will get improved so much. And, uh, and I must say that these uh, Pakistan, because the... the the geographic position of Pakistan on the world map is such that, that no superpower or emerging superpower can discount Pakistan, you know. So they need to have Pakistan on board on so many issues, be it war on terror, be it, uh, you can say, climate change, be it situation in Afghanistan, be it the, even the Middle East situation, if you consider the Iran, because Pakistan is one of the bordering country of Iran. Mm. And specifically, if you talk about the Kashmir issue, which is the, which is always in the news. Yeah, so Pakistan is bordering India. There is a Kashmir issue, which has been a very disputed issue in between the Pakistan and India. Yeah, so there are so many things which have been attacked with, uh, with uh, Pakistan, and I hope that situation will improve as President Biden will move forward. Okay. Well, brother, the last question I want to ask you is, again, we are in the year of 2021 as China is about to celebrate the Chinese New Year. And we heard the national address from Chinese President Xi Jinping, I believe, on the January the 1st, that he shared a lot more powerful messages and a lot more comforting confirmations, not only to the citizens in China, but also to the citizens outside China to understand what China is all about. You know, if we can summarize in three words, number one is harmony. We never wanted to create uh, a war with other people. And number two is prosperity. China must rise up or China must uh, be the example of modern prosperity. And last but not least is we're always looking for international unity. So China is not going to join the climate change. China is not going to join the TPP by himself. Is we always need allies and supporters. Now, with that said, 
in the year of 2021, it seems like there will be a lot more battles or a lot more obstacles for China to get there. So from your perspective, under this realm uh, of globalization, how do you think China is going to or better position itself in order to continue to bring more trust or continue to bring more partnership onto the table? Again, we know there, there will be obstacles. There will be hardship. You can't have everyone agree with you. But from your perspective, in order to, again, to show the world that this country is ready to shoulder greater responsibilities. So how do you think that uh, how do you think China uh, um, better to position itself at this moment, especially uh, under uh, the pandemic or post the pandemic? Yeah. So being a student of economics myself, you know, first of all, I'll uh, share or I'll highlight the uh, this economic achievement of China. You know that specifically specifically in the year of 2020 which was the very catastrophic uh, uh, year specifically for chinese economy you know for the for the china as a country but uh, you know even in the gdp of china in 2020 you know uh, it uh, reached to the 100 trillion yuan number right mm. so china and china has also seen a good harvest in grain production for 17 years in a row by now you know and specifically if we see on the scientific uh, explorations also like china has sent us the uh, mars mission the lunar probe and then there was a deep sea manned uh, submersible you know so there was a quite a quite a many achievements on the chinese plateau you know so this is a time you know to share this prosperity with the other mm. uh, you know partners and friends so i must say that i personally i i like the president xi's vision of this shared prosperity very much and uh, which has manifested in the form of uh, belt and road initiative mm. so this is very crucial this is very this is i think very crucial and then in the form of you know uh we have uh, we have seen that the uh, that historically, uh, after 1978, opening up policy of the Chinese Premier Deng Xiaoping, you know, China has uh, eradicated poverty, you know, uh, and specifically uh, the last eight years, you know, China has eradicated the extreme poverty for the nearly 100 million rural people, you know, so this is the great number, you know, mm. and if you see on the sustainable development goals of the United Nations, what is, what is the sustainable development goal number one? That is zero poverty. That's right. So if the world, so if the world wants to learn about how to achieve SDGs, specifically SDG one, I think China should be the uh, should be the one. The whole you know uh, uh, world, you know, the poor people, they should learn from here. The whole nations, I think, they should uh, peacefully cooperate and they should move forward. Mm. Brother, thank you so much for being on my show. It has been a pleasure by talking to you.